Psalm 121. As we read this psalm together, I pray the Lord will speak to our hearts today. The Lord really, really burned this in my heart these past few weeks as I've been studying and meditating. And I have to catch up today, so y'all be patient with me. I hadn't preached in a couple of weeks. You understand that? So don't say, oh, me. Now, don't do that to me. I'll try not to keep you that long today, but I pray that God will really speak to our hearts this morning. I know this. I know the Lord wanted me to preach this to you this morning. And I hope and pray that you'll receive what he has for you today. Psalm 121. The psalmist says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil, and he shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out, thy coming in from this time forth, and even forevermore. Let's pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. I remember your words of exhortation to us in the New Testament. That, Lord, that we should sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And that we should even teach one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Admonishing one another. And Father, as we read through this passage of Scripture, Lord, we know that the apple of your eye is the nation of Israel. But we thank you this morning, through the Lord Jesus Christ, that we, Lord, are loved as well. And we are your beloved as your church and your bride. And Father, I pray that we might find some divine principles here that flow throughout the Scriptures, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I pray, Lord, you'd encourage every child of God that came in here today for some help. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us and help us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, I need you to, first of all, look with me in verse number 1, where the Scripture says, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from which cometh my help. When you see that phrase, that I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills... That is about who you are looking to, and it's about trust. It's about hope. It's about confidence. It's about reliance. It's about who do you actually turn to and look to when you need help. Now, that word help implies... That you can't fix some things that are going on in your life by yourself. And it also tells me, and when you need the word help, when you see the word help, you realize there are some people who don't even know how much help they really need. Seriously. Because to, to call out for help, or to look somewhere else for help, requires some humility. And some honesty from your own heart that 
I need help. Some of us need help financially. Some of us need help in our families, with our marriages, with our relationships among our kinfolk. Some of us need help with our spiritual growth. We, we all in some area need some help. I want you to notice in Psalm 123. Would you look over there with me please and I'll show you what I mean here by this thing about, about looking unto the Lord and you know, I think the Lord would have East River Baptist Church to lift up her eyes in two directions. I think that she needs to lift up her eyes unto the hills from whence cometh her help. That means looking unto the Lord this year for help. And I think that we need to look unto the fields and to see that they are ready and, and, and white and ready for harvest. That we look and begin to sow more seed than we've ever sown before in the history of our church in one year's time. As far as planting the gospel and the seed. But I want you to look with me in Psalm 123 verse 1. He said this. He says, unto thee lift I up mine eyes. O thou that dwellest in the heavens. You see that? So who do you look to? Who's the first person that you turn to when you need help? Where is the first direction that you turn when you are troubled? Look what he says in verse number 2. Behold, as the eyes of servants look unto the hand of their masters, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until that He have mercy upon us. Look in Psalm 124 verse 8. The implication again is that you believe that your help comes from God. The Bible says in verse 8, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. So what do you need help with? This morning. Are you willing to even admit that you need help? You know, they say that's one of the greatest difficulties uh, when you try to help somebody that has an addiction of something. is to try to get them to see that they need help. And I think that we as children of God also have a problem sometimes of acknowledging the fact that from day to day, we need help from God. Some days more than others. Now I want you to read quickly with me through this psalm, and then I want to use an illustration, a biblical illustration to help you with this. I have some notes that I, I take notes in my Bible when I hear somebody teach or preach, and I write in my Bible, and I think... It may have been Brother Tierbach that may have taught on this several years ago. I wrote this down in my Bible here. He had it greatly uh, outlined, but it's so simple. And the Bible says, for example, in verse 1 and verse number 2, it says, The Lord is our helper. Don't you believe the creature should look to the Creator for help? That's why he says, He says, I look unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. If God could create the heavens and the earth and create you and I, don't you think He knows exactly what we need and is able to help us? I do believe that. 
And then you'll notice in verses 3 through 5, the Bible refers to the Lord as our keeper. He says in verse 3, He shall not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. And he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. Now that word keeper implies like the job of a shepherd keeping his sheep. It is that responsibility of always being alert and of always being aware of what's going on and always being able to deliver that sheep out of the hand of the fowler, out of the hand of the lion, out of the hand or the mouth of the bear, like David did. So he is saying to you, as you look into this new year, I want you to remember that God is your help. And He is able. Alright? And that He is your keeper. He is alert. He is aware. And He is able. I think that our stability this year comes from His ability to help us and to keep us. And you'll notice in verse number 5, not only is He our helper and our keeper, but you'll notice it says in verse number 5 that He is our comforter. Look what He says in verse 5. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. Now that implies that the Lord is going to comfort us. The heat of day, I think, represents the burdens of everyday life. And I think the moon by night, that represents the horrors and the dangers of the night. The terror that can come by night. Most evil is done in the darkness. People who love to sin love when the sun goes down. I believe that he's comforting you about what you can see and understand. And that can be troubling. What you can see, what you do know, can be troubling and heavy. And he says, you know what? I'm going to be your shade on a hot day. And when the heat's on, I am going to be your shade. You know, there is a particular psalm. I I think it might be. I'm going to flip over and make sure it is. Psalm 91 verse 1 says this. He says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. And my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. That's who you're looking to. That's who you're looking to. And so when he talks about being your comforter, uh, there, there are seasons of life, would you agree, that are more difficult than others? And you think that when you're a teenager that, that uh, you have maybe struggled with some things, and you do. And you think that when you become an adult that it's going to get easier, and it doesn't. And you're going to think when you get old that it's really going to get good, but it gets a little bit tougher. Seasons of life require that we need help. We need the Lord to keep us. And we need God to comfort us. I'm going to use an illustration from one of our missionaries to help you to understand how that God will comfort you uh, as a child of God in the different seasons of life. And how that God is faithful to keep you. I want to say this specifically to those of you here this morning that are 
great in the temple. Because as you get older, somebody says there's two things that happen when you get older in most people's lives. There are exceptions to this. But you have a decrease in wealth and you have diminishing health. Those two things usually occur as you get older. There's a missionary we support by the name of Milton Martin. He and his wife have been in the ministry for 68 years, been a missionary for 59 years, has ministered in 67 countries. These past few months, um, Brother Milton Martin has let us, made us aware that his wife had been deathly ill and she did pass away and go on to be with the Lord. And I want to read a few things to you about how God was faithful to him and is being faithful to him to be his helper, his keeper, and his comforter. He said, thank you for your patience with me these days. He said, and his wife's name is Francis. He said, during Francis' home going, I was myself battling with retention of fluid in my legs and feet. But shortly afterward, it progressed further to my lungs. My oxygen machine is maxed out and cannot produce enough oxygen. My lungs thus are full of fluid and it affects my ability to think or to concentrate. He said, Francis and I were married for 64 years and 13 days. He said, I had her in my arms as she took her last breath. And he said, even there at the end, she still had her sense of humor. She said, you know, you should have been a Mormon with more than one wife. He said, for that way, you would not have, you would have been able to divide the work and not work me to death. <laughs> what a blessing. So. He goes on to say now, though, she's going to be with the Lord. And he says, I know of no family in the world as blessed as my family and I. He said, I am now in hospice, which means I am considered terminal and do not go outside for medical appointments. Nurses come two to three times a week, do all the lab work in my home. A doctor comes at least once a month. I cannot tell you, express to you how difficult and how depressing these kind of days can be. And especially when you've lost your mate. And he says, they are on call 24-7 if I need them. All medication is supplied at no charge. And again, now, this is how the Lord has worked in his life to take care of him in his last days. He said, presently I am receiving $8,000 monthly care that is totally covered at no cost to me. He said, I also have additional care, meals, shopping, housekeeping, typing, and on and on. He said, whom my family has asked this particular lady, who's a Spanish lady, to look out for me at least five hours a day, five days a week. He said, I want you to know that God does keep His promises. And that God does keep His word. Now, I'll tell you what, that's the guy that's run the race. And that's in the middle of, of the battle. And I'm just here to tell you that You need, as you look through the year, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going to go through, understand that the psalmist said, David said, the Lord is our helper, and the Lord is our keeper, and the Lord is our comforter. And whether you be 75 or whether you be 17 or 35, there are places and seasons of life where you need God to help you and to be your keeper and to be your comforter. You'll notice 
In our Psalm 121, the last part there of that Psalm says this. It says that um, in verse 7, that the Lord not only is our helper, our keeper, and our comforter, but also He is our preserver. He is our protector. He is the one who completes our journey as we walk with Him. The Bible says in verse 7 and 8, The Lord shall preserve thee. Look how many times He mentions this. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He said, well, Brother Roger, I know that's not true because I've seen evil things happen to good people. You are speaking ignorantly when you say that. And I'm going to tell you why. Do calamities come upon all men upon the earth? Yes, they do. Natural calamities are part of the curse of Adam. And God has enabled man to be strong enough in spirit to overcome natural calamities. There'll be hurricanes, tornadoes, droughts, tsunamis. That happens to all of us. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. But when it says the Lord shall preserve thee from all evil, do you understand that God created darkness and light? And that God created good and evil? The Bible says so. But evil has different meanings. For example, in the book of Jonah, when Jonah preached a revival, the Bible says when those people repented and, and, and moved their way back toward God, the Bible says that God repented of the evil that He thought toward those people. Are you telling me that God is evil and that God does evil? In your mind, you're thinking of wickedness and ungodliness. You know that's not true. But that word evil there means, it means the wrath of God and it means judgment of which there is no remedy. So when the Lord thinks evil against someone, He's saying, I am fixing to judge them. And when I judge them, and this calamity comes, it won't be a natural calamity. It'll be a spiritual or, or supernatural calamity of which there is no fix and no remedy for. Like Sodom and Gomorrah. And so when He says there, when the Bible says, Thou shalt preserve thee from all evil, it means God has preserved you from the wrath to come. It means that God is protecting you and preserving you from the judgment of God that will fall upon this earth and upon mankind. That you have been delivered from the wrath of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And when he says that the Lord shall preserve thee, he shall preserve thy soul. Are you keeping yourself saved or does God do the preserving? Are we kept by the power of God? I believe we are. I believe the hand that reaches down is greater than the hand that is reaching up. I do. And the Bible says, The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. I believe what you see there is that our earthly journey and our eternal journey is preserved. By the hand of God, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever because of God's ability and God's availability in my heart and in my life. Now there is a guy 
that we need to use to contrast this psalm with to show you whether or not, because the key to this psalm is verse number 1. It is whether or not you will lift up your eyes and look unto the Lord, and will you trust Him, and will you rely upon Him? Let me show you, let me show you a, a man who did that in the beginning of his life, and as he got older, began to experience some victories and some battles. As he got older, he moved away from trusting God and relying upon the Lord and looking unto the Lord for help. And you know, as I get older, as I watch, uh, and this is not just at East River, but it's also at Shady Acres. It's also at Cornerstone. It's at other churches. You see people get up in years, and as they've been with you for 25, 30 years, or in church that long, you see some of these folks fading away. Falling away. I do not want to be one of those people. I don't want to fade away. I want to be in the, I want to be in the, in the, I want to be when that, when that last bell goes off in the last round, I want to be in there swinging and punching. I do. I want to fight to the end. I don't want, I don't want to think about quitting and fading away and just because of disappointment and discouragement. I don't want that. But I know one thing, if God don't help me, I will. And if God don't keep me, I will. If God doesn't comfort me, I will. I want you to turn with me to Second Chronicles real quick, chapter 16. Let me show you an example of someone, and I'm going to show you exactly what I mean by you looking under the Lord. I'll give you an illustration here. I've got to... Well, I tell you, the Lord is trying to help somebody here today, and I pray you'll receive it. Second Chronicles chapter number, I'll tell you what, instead of chapter 16, let's start in chapter 14. There is a young man who becomes king, and his name is Asa, A-S-A, Asa. Now, I need you to see what's going to happen in his life, and I need you and I to learn from this. Do you agree with me that the Old Testament was written for our admonition and our learning? Okay, so we know that there's some truths in here that are that will help the, the New Testament Christian. Agree? All right, now let's look at Asa. Let's look how he starts out. All right, in chapter 14, verse 2, the Bible says that Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. And he took away the altars of the strange gods in the high places and break down the images and cut down the groves and commanded Judah to seek the Lord of their fathers and to do the law and the commandment. He also took away all the cities of Judah, the high places, the images, and the kingdom was quiet before him. He built fenced cities in Judah, for the land had rest, and he had no war in those years, because the Lord had given him rest. Asa understood something. He understood cause and effect. He knew that as long as he walked with the Lord, and as long as he kept his eyes on the Lord, and relied upon the Lord, that God would help him. All right, now watch. Look in verse 7. It says, Therefore he said unto Judah, Let us build these cities and make about them walls and towers and gates and bars while the land is yet before us, because we have sought the Lord. Cause and effect. Our God, we said we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought Him. That's what you do when you lift up your eyes unto the hills from which cometh your help. You seek the Lord. 
You seek Him for counsel. You seek Him for wisdom. You seek Him for direction in your life, in making your decisions. Okay? And He says, We have sought Him, and He hath given us rest on every side, so they built and prospered. Alright? And then you'll notice a little bit further on that He understood that it was up to Him to do His best. And then the trust and look to God to do the rest. Alright, now watch. Because you rely upon the Lord does not mean that you have no responsibilities. Okay? Verse 8. And Asa had an army of men that bare targets and spears out of Judah 300,000. And out of Benjamin that bare shields, drew bows, 204 score thousand. All these were mighty men of valor. So he's preparing an army, a military, for battle knowing that... There are enemies that have to be dealt with. Even if you try to live in peace, trouble finds us. Verse 9. And there came out against him, them Zerah the Ethiopian, with an host of a thousand, thousand, and three hundred chariots, and came unto Marisha. Then Asa sent out against him, went out against him, and they set the battle in array in the valley of Zivatha at Marisha. And Asa... Cried unto the Lord his God. Now the point here is, no matter how much you prepare and do your best, at some point, you're going to need God's help to help you do the rest. You do your very best as a husband. You do your very best as a wife. You do your very best as an employer, an employee, as a son, as a daughter. And you still... At some point and some place are going to find trouble where you're going to be outmatched. And where that you're going to be outmanned. And the battle is going to be too hard for you by yourself. Alright, verse 11. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help. How about that? Whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee. And in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God, let not man prevail against thee. Now there is a man who is focused. And he's got what you might say 20-20 vision. He's got his eyes, lifting up his eyes under the hills. And he said, that's where my help's coming from. I've got an army, but they're not enough. The enemy is stronger than I am. I need help from God. And so he calls upon the Lord. And when you look under the hills, he's talking about somebody that cries unto God, who looks unto God, and who believes that God is able to help him or her. So what happens? This is cause and effect again. Verse 12, so the Lord smote the Ethiopians. That's pretty simple, huh? And God just kicked them, man, kicked them sideways. God did it. The Lord helped them. All right? And verse 13, And Asa and the people that were with him pursued them under Gerar, and the Ethiopians were overthrown. Not only were they beat down, but they also took their lunch money. They beat up the bully, took his lunch money, went to his house, and got his furniture. He went and got spoiled. Verse number 14, he said, They spoiled all the cities, for there was exceeding much spoil in them. They smote also the tents of the cattle and carried away sheep and camels in abundance and returned to Jerusalem. So what looked like a certain defeat without the help of God turned out to be a blessing. God used it 
to prosper them because they relied upon the Lord. Okay? Now, when you're relying upon the Lord, you will allow the Spirit of God to use the man of God to give you the Word of God. When you quit relying upon God, you can't take preaching anymore and you will fall out with preachers that you have loved and listened to in the past who are good men. Now watch. Because you got, you got to the point where you don't think you need them anymore. And I, Some people, listen, just because you overcame some things, don't sit back there and think that you overcame it by yourself. Look at verse 1. The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye, me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you, while you be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you, but if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now, it's true in the New Testament, the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, that's true. Okay, what's the principle there? The principle is, if you'll draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. And that God will enable you and help you with what you're going through right now. God knows what you need. All right? And so because it says in verse 3, now listen, he is receiving the preaching. He has received the preacher. He's let the preacher into his life. He is receiving what the preacher has to say. Verse 3, now for a long season Israel had been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when they in their trouble did turn to the Lord, God Israel and saw them, he was found of them. Look at verse 7. He's exhorting this king. Be ye strong therefore and let not your hands be weak for your work shall be rewarded. Is there a New Testament passage that goes along with that? Your, your work in laboring the Lord is not in vain, the Bible says. It's not. Not a waste of time. And so the Bible says in verse 8, here's how you can tell when you're still looking under the Lord, is that you can come to church, open your Bible, receive what your pastor has to say, and you can take courage and get hope and help. Now watch what he says. If preaching means nothing to you, and you feel like you don't need really a local church and you don't need a pastor in your life, you don't need a man of God in your life, you're not looking unto the Lord. You're not. You're kidding yourself. All right, now look what he says in verse 8. And when Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Oded the prophet, what did he do? He took courage. The Bible ought to encourage you, strengthen you for the battle that lies ahead. And I'll tell you what it helped him do. It helped him take a little bit further step in getting rid of the idolatry, the iniquity, and the things that were going on. And by the way, look how much zeal that it, this put in his heart that lasted for years. Look down in verse number 12. He got all the people together. They offered up a great sacrifice to God. And they got together and said, you know what, let's pass a law in the land. Verse 12 says, And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. See, when you seek the Lord, there'll be some serious commitments made. Not just mouth, but serious commitments. Look what they said. They entered into a covenant that they would seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart, with all their soul. And look at this, that whosoever would not 
seek the Lord God of Israel, should be put to death. Whether it be small or great, whether it be man or woman. A capital offense. You say, well, Brother Roger, that doesn't apply to a New Testament Christian. I totally agree with that. I mean, I wouldn't want to have the, somebody in Washington to declare a particular religion and say, if you don't follow this, then you're going to die. I mean, I wouldn't want that. Because it might not be our religion. It may not be what we believe. But what it does mean there is, he's saying that, hey, listen, if they're not going to trust in the Lord, if they're not going to seek after God, they don't need to be a serious part of your life. Death means separation, apart from. If they're pulling you away from God, don't walk with them. Now, occasionally, you may have to be around them. You may not be able to get completely away from them, but you don't have to be in communion with them and then be your best friend. That's what I mean by that, okay? If you really are relying upon the Lord. All right, now watch something else here now. You're talking about courage? I admire this guy's courage. You know why? Look at verse 16. Because he dealt with mama and her religion. Watch this. Look in verse 16. And by the way, I love my mama. She's gone on to be with the Lord, but I'm just saying not everybody has an issue with mother. But sometimes mother, sometimes the influence of a mother, if she is not right with God, can truly, truly impact your life. Do you have the courage to say no to any female in your life who does not want to follow the Lord. Can you tell her, no, we're not going in that direction? Hmm? Can you? I have learned over the years, very few men have that courage. That when mama's not happy, she makes sure he's not happy, and he'd rather be happy than holy. And right with God. Now watch. You say, I don't like what you're saying. You should. The Bible says in verse 16, And also concerning Maaka, I'm guessing her name, Maaka, the mother of Asa the king, he removed her from being queen because she had made an idol. We're talking about something black and white here. We're not talking here now about preferences, opinions, all that kind of stuff. That family sometimes struggle with that's got no reason why it should divide you. It was black and white because she had made an idol in a grove and Asa cut down her idol. Don't you know that made mama happy right there? And stamped it. We use the word in the south. He stomped it. And burned it at the brook Kydron. He had the courage indeed to deal with family, strong family that were backslidden on God and no longer looking unto the Lord when they needed help. Man, you don't need to, you don't need to try to get counsel down there at that church. You need to talk to somebody else that's more professional, that knows more about this or this or this or this because you don't rely on the Lord anymore. Okay? And look in verse number 16. It says again, he had to deal with this. If you're going to serve the Lord, you've got to make up your mind that you love God more than you love anybody else. That's, that's, that's a hard question right there. 
It is. And you really don't know how you'll deal with those things unless it just becomes blatantly black and white. And one of your children or your mate or your parents, they just totally flip on you and go in a different direction. You don't really know how you're going to react to that. You just think you do, but you don't. But I know this. You're going to need help from God. And you're going to need Him to keep you. And you're going to need Him to comfort you when you do this. All right, now watch what happens. Everything is going good now because of what He's done. God's blessed Him for 35 years, Brother Ed. No more war. Verse 19. You see that? No more war. Thirty-five year, The 35th year of the reign of Asa. That's pretty good. That's really good compared to some of the kings there. Amen? But you know, 2019 is gone. Whatever happened in 2019 is over with as... I, I, when Brother John Yost prays, you'll hear him often use the phrase and terminology, Lord, we can't live on past blessings. We need you today. We need you today. We need you today. And what you're looking at right here, you need to remember something, is that every year brings different battles. And they may come subtly. But look what happens here. In the 6th and 30th year of the reign of Asa, Baasha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah to the intent that he might let none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. Can I, can I ask you a question? Wasn't Asa just doing good and minding his own business? Hadn't he been a blessing? Hadn't he tried to do what's right and try to get other people to do what's right? He just minding his own business. And somebody comes and tries to shut that down and bring trouble because they're only thinking about themselves. And this king of Israel, Baasha, he ought to have been friends with them. They ought to have been, they ought to have been together rather than opposed to each other. But here they are. But then here's a, here's a battle now. It's a battle of some sort that there's always a battle of some sort on the horizon. How are you going to deal with it? That's the bottom line. You have no idea where your mate's heart and mind is sometimes. What the battle may be there this year. It might be between you and one of your children. They may make a very serious and foolish decision that's going to grieve your heart. And you'll have to deal with it. You may have to deal with something that happens to you financially. And you may be in an area of where integrity is going to cost you something. Usually integrity will cost you something, but it will benefit you long term. But you usually will lose something temporarily. All right, now look what he says here. In the 6th and 30th year of the reign of Asa, this guy comes up and says, Hey man, we're going to shut you off. And we're going to cut you off where that you cannot go in and out. And uh, so Asa does this. He says, you know what? Now, here's what he does. And this is where it's so subtle and so dangerous for me and you, those of us who have great in the temple. Seriously now. Those of us who have walked with the Lord, we've, God's delivered us many times. God has helped us many times. God has answered many prayers. God has helped us through hard places. And God has prospered us. God has enabled us to get some things and to, and to be able to do some things. As you get older, if you're not careful... The danger then becomes that when the next battle comes, that you'll begin to rely 
upon your experience rather than upon the Lord. And even upon some of your own wisdom without praying about it. Each battle is different. And you begin to rely upon your bank account that God has allowed you to build up rather than you praying your way through God providing something or doing something for you. Or your friends that you have developed. You say, well, if this don't work out, I can always ask brother so-and-so or I can ask so-and-so to help me out. You begin to rely upon some things, uh, maybe even not even aware that you're doing this. I don't think that Asa got up one morning and said, you know what, I believe I'm just going to backslide today and turn my back on God. I don't think that happened. But the Bible says here that he went, the Bible says in verse number 2, that he went to the king of Syria. And verse 3, he said, let's me and you make a, a, a an agreement here. I am going to give you some money. And I want you to break your league with the king of Israel so that he'll leave me alone. I want you to handle my battle. There are some battles that God wants you to deal with. And you should not be passing them off to somebody else. Some of you men. You pass off some battles to your wife that God wants you to fight and deal with and lead in your family. For you to make some hard decisions, that's your responsibility. Not always easy. And she'll support you and she'll pray for you, but don't put it off on her to make some hard decisions. Some of you want an other brother in the church or you want your pastor to deal with some of your battles. It's okay to seek counsel. It's okay to ask for prayer. But you need, you know, you need to deal with some things that are going on inside your family. In other words, you need to be the bad guy once in a while. And that it's not just the preacher who's the bad guy. Sometimes you will have to deal with some of those things and not be liked for a little while. Do you understand? When you say, no, you can't wear that. No, you can't be friends with them on Facebook. No, you can't post that. No, you can't comment on that. Instead of bringing it to me and saying, Preacher, would you deal with this? The Lord would have you deal with it. And you pray about it. I should never have to talk to you. I should never have to ask you, never have to say anything to your daughters about them dressing modestly. You should take care of that. You should, I should never have to deal with your wife about being modest or being meek and quiet. You should deal with that. You should want those things. Okay? So, now that we're all in love with each other right now, let's move on to the next point. Okay? Now the Bible says here, here's what, here's what he got in trouble. He paid this guy, the guy came, did the job, and God was upset about it. You know, it would upset me if, if Cindy were to ask another man in the church to do something at the house that she's always asked me to do in the past. Without even talking to me about it, say, honey, be all right if I ask brother so and so. And if I said, yeah, that's fine. It'd be good. It'd be fine. He can do it better than I can. I'm, I'm for it. That's different. But for just to turn away and just say, you know, I, I want him to do this and never counsel me, never ask me, that would be very offensive to me. 
And so when the Lord, who had helped him for 35 years through every situation and circumstance, he turns his back on him. He says, you know what? I think I'll ask him to help me this time. Do you know what? Some of us are like the Lord. We like to be needed. And we want to help. And the Lord wants to help you. All right, now watch what happens here. Y'all still with me? All right, verse 7. And at that time, Hanani, the seer, that's another preacher, different word, like a prophet, a seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, there's that cause and effect, and not relied on the Lord thy God. Would you agree with me? He, he's not looking under the hills from which cometh his help. And not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. Were not the Ethiopians, he bringing up the past. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host? Don't you remember when God helped you and you needed this and you needed this and God gave you this and God provided that and God answered this prayer and God did this? Have you forgotten what God has done for you? And he says in verse number 8, he said, Yet because thou didst not rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand. He said, Because you did rely on the Lord, he helped you. He delivered. Look at verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord, and I believe this is still true. It's an Old Testament truth that's true in the New Testament. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore thou from henceforth thou shalt have what? That means conflict, division. Okay. Now listen to me, and I'm almost done. This is important to you. This is important. The Lord told me it was important. And if He says it, it's important in His Word. Because I say it. His relationship with preachers and preaching has changed because His relationship with God has changed. And it will follow that path. Your best friends ought to be God-fearing preachers. Deacons, leaders, good men, women, love the Lord. Look at this. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro. Look at verse 10. Then Asa was wroth with the seer and put him in a prison house. Can you imagine that? The man of God came to give him a word from the Lord, and the word of the Lord is not always positive. Sometimes it is negative. He was angry with him, put him in a prison house. For he was in a rage with him because of this thing. He no longer could receive reproof or rebuke. And that's what happens when you quit looking under the hills from which cometh your help. You get upset over things that you used to not get upset about. The preacher suffered, and you'll notice something else. Verse 10, and Asa oppressed some of the people at the same time. Because he no longer looked unto the Lord, the preacher suffered, and the people suffered, and Asa himself began to suffer. Look what happens to him in verse number 12. 
And, in the, and Asa in the thirty and ninth year of his reign was diseased in his feet until the disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease he sought not to the Lord but to the physicians. He'd rather die than change. He'd rather die and suffer than for him to repent and to acknowledge his mistakes. Wouldn't you say that's a little P-R-I-D-E? I cannot imagine the agony he suffered. He said, I'm not going to ask God about that. I'm not going to trust the Lord. I don't like what God has done. I ain't going, I'm not going to do it. I believe if he had humbled himself, I believe God had done something else for him. I do. Now, my point being is this. I know that I've used two passages of Scripture this morning. Psalm 121, 2 Chronicles 16, 14 through 16. Do you see what David said? He said, look, if you'll lift up your eyes unto the hills and come with your help, God will help you. He'll be your helper. He'll be your keeper. He'll be your comforter. And he will be your preserver. Asa did for a while. And as he began to make a little money, and as he began to little, get a little security, a few possessions, he got to where that when the next battle came along, he did not need the Lord, he thought in his heart. Don't go in that direction. And don't ever think that you don't need the house of God and the Word of God and the man of God in your life. Don't sit out there and say, well, I'm trusting the Lord, but you don't attend the house of the Lord. You don't bring your Bible and listen to the Word of God. When the man of God gives you counsel, it goes in one and out the other. Don't say that you're, you're looking unto Him because you're not. You're fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. And you're hurting yourself. You're hurting me, you're hurting the church, and you're hurting the people that are associated with you. Let's stand together, please. I pray this year that you would be resolved to look unto the Lord and have some, what we would call maybe some 2020 vision of where you would lift up your eyes and look unto the Lord to be your helper, your keeper, your comforter, your hope. Now, the Lord knows in your heart If you need help, don't be too prideful to say, God, I need some help today. Lord, I need you to help me, my attitude, my spirit, my heart. Help me to be a good husband. Help me to be a good wife. Help me to be a good father. I want to be a better pastor this year than I've ever been. We're facing the possibility of having to deal with the highway department and a a building. I'm looking unto the Lord. I am looking unto God and have, and I don't want to stop looking unto Him. And I'm trusting Him to help us. How about you? How about you? Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Ask my dear wife. I'm going to ask Faith if she would also go to the organ. The invitation is open. You don't have to wait for them. You need to come to the altar. I pray that God would speak to your heart and help you right now. And that you would listen to Him that you would acknowledge to Him that you need help with your situation, your circumstances, that you need God. I pray that you wouldn't be so prideful that you wouldn't think that you need help in some areas of your life. Father in heaven, now in Jesus' name, I pray, Almighty God, that you'd speak to the East River Baptist Church, that we would look unto you collectively and individually for our help in Jesus' name.